Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. A very happy holidays from Julie and myself. Um, again, I've said this every week. Uh, just so grateful for how many people who follow this program. Uh, many people who've reached out to me, whether phone call, text message, emails. Um, I, I look forward to doing this every week. And um, Again, much much gratitude, and I'll provide my contact information uh, at the end of this episode. So a, a, a common theme that I talk to with uh, several people, more than several, probably a few dozen people, uh, of the impact of mental health on families, on relationships, that intimate, platonic, uh, collegial uh, relationships with, with children. And this time of year is an incredibly difficult time for individuals struggling with, with mental illness, especially those with what, what we call the affective disorders, depression, anxiety, uh, bipolarity. Um, you know, winter sets in, uh, at least in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, it gets dark, it, like, well, it's starting to get a little lighter up, but still like around four o'clock. Um, the holidays, uh, you know, from a Christian perspective, I would say, you know, you celebrate Christmas and you move through the hustle and bustle of shopping and of getting cards and getting together with family, some of which you only see once a year, and that's probably all that you want to see them. Uh, other times, it uh, we call these like anchor dates. Uh, anchor dates are dates that have a specific specific significance. That could be like Thanksgiving, could be Christmas, could be Easter, could be a birthday. Like for me, like my father's birthday is a is a hard day for me. So is my mother's birthday. So is the day of their death. So uh, anchor dates can be you know positive, like anniversaries and and you know you know cutting the other way birthdays as well. But um, a lot of people, what what they've they've the common question was like, what do I do? And there's no real clear cut answer because uh, an individual with a psychiatric condition, one first have to be able to determine uh, does the person even recognize that there is something wrong. Is there something that, you know, this isn't just the blues. Uh, this is really starting to take a toll. Uh, irritability on a, on a consistent basis, crying, uh, rapid mood changes. And, you know, again, not in, in relation to anything in particular, but there's definitely a deviation from the person's baseline psychological equilibrium or, or, or stability. But uh, how do you get them help? I, I did the episode on help rejectors and with, with mental health, even, even people wanting to go see their primary cares, you cannot want it more than the other individual. Now, as with parents, it gets a little, I don't know if say easier, but you know, prior to age, turning age 18, you know, you, they're in charge of their children. They could drive them to a therapist's office. They can drive them to get a neuropsych eval. They can drive them to the prescriber's office. They can be actively involved. Um, it doesn't mean the child's going to, you know, actively participate or engage or, or, or be willing. But, you know, when you, when you move into adulthood, uh, life comes to all of us. And, 
it can it can be a very dark and murky field and something that i usually you know always say is you know definitely getting a full eval is what you want to do to clarify what it is but mental health can really impact relationships significantly uh borderline personality uh if we go back to that that is a, without treatment and you know active participation and engagement in treatment that could wreak havoc on uh, marriages, on relationships, on just even the old individual's own personal stability. Um, so how, how do we navigate these, these murky waters? I think, I think open dialogue is incredibly important. You know, you go back to, you know, our grandparents, great grandparents, you know, they didn't really talk about mental health. You, you hid crazy Uncle Harry in the closet. Uh, you know, Grandpa was an alcoholic. He just, you know, worked in the factory all day and he, you know, was at the bar. Um, so I think one of the things that I've tried to do with this podcast is really give legitimacy, uh, respect the integrity of, of the psychiatric disorders, um, Definitely, a still a sense of hope, but also draw a parity with you know the medical disorders because I really don't think there should be and there really isn't a distinction uh, because it isn't tangible or as overt. Um, these disorders are going on in the mind, and the mind can therefore cause the body to act in specific ways. That could be aggression, that could be yelling, that could be crying, that could be screaming, that could be headbanging, that could be cutting, that could be. Uh, you know, what we call like behavioral manifestations. Um, so I think, again, with this time of year, um, you know, at least again, in, in the United States with, with the weather, it does play a big factor in mental health. Uh, the pandemic, certainly, you can see just with the influx of people who enter the mental health system, uh, whether that was telehealth or people doing stuff in person, uh, because People were, you know, we didn't know what was going on. We were kind of forced to just be at home. Um, so, again, this time of year is, you know, when, especially in the colder climates, um, you, people are forced to, you know, retreat back into solitude. Julie, what are you doing over there? I was preparing chicken. So retreat back into solitude, and I've said this before, the quiet times is when the demons come, and these are the times when um, the negative thoughts, I'm no good, I'm dysfunctional. Whether the person is diagnosed or not, the quiet times of the darkness is is really difficult for people because... uh, introspection is something that is uh or sudden insight is very powerful but also very painful and if you're involved with somebody with a psychiatric condition uh i said it before you can't want them to get help more than they do but it's really important to also establish um boundaries that you are not their therapist you are not their prescriber. You are, if we just take a, a, a couple, a husband and wife, and say the the, 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 wife, uh, the husband has a psychiatric condition, the wife is not responsible to be the, the treatment provider. Certainly, it can be empathic, be encouraging, be supportive, um, have open dialogue, but you also do not need to be someone's doormat and for them to emote 
and 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 or, or act out in 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 you know behaviorally in ways that could be harmful. Um, you know, I've said this before. Explanation is not justification. Yes, okay, and I've said this also before. The people I work with, you know, the small group I work with, you know, in therapy, um, I tell them you get to complain once, and if you if you complain a second time and do nothing about it, I don't want to hear about it. So again, that's more of a rationally motive cognitive behavioral technique. Um, People are generally receptive to it because you're certainly empathic, but it's important that, you know, if, if you're in relation with somebody who has a psychiatric condition, this time of year, it's likely to manifest. It could become worse. It could become more chronic. Um, but you also have to take care of your own mental health. You, 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 some, sometimes some of these disorders can suck people into it. And depending on what the, what the person with the psychiatric condition is saying, uh, I, I've talked to several people this week who, you know, I, I think were very grateful, you know, when I explained it, that they really started to believe that they were the cause of the problem that their partner, child, um, or whatever relationship they were in, that they were responsible. Now, can we do things to exacerbate stuff? You know, if somebody has bipolar disorder and they're struggling and their mood is increasingly dysregulated and you say to them, you know, know, take your bipolar and go, go upstairs. All right, that's not helpful. That, 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 that's not therapeutic. Um, but, if if someone's behavior is egregious and it is it is it there's a level of toxicity whether it's impacting you as 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 a family member as a partner as 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 a spouse um as a as a colleague you again do you do not have to be a doormat but do respect that the individual is is definitely struggling and you know psychotropic medications cognitive therapy has been shown time and time again to be the most efficacious uh combination of treatments for all of the psychiatric conditions um so you know your own mental health is equally important because uh the term we use sometimes with people with 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 the with the affective disorders or the personality disorders we, we call them energy vampires it can be incredibly draining and depending on the personality that that you have, if you're somebody who is by nature a helper, somebody who is by nature empathic, somebody by nature who is kind and caring, which I think the vast majority of people are, it's really tough when you see a loved one, you see a parent, you see a child struggling. And 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 you know, I think it's you don't know what to do, and that's okay. Don't don't blame yourself. Maybe maybe you need to make phone calls and try and find them a therapist. Maybe you need to try and get them in, in, in with a prescriber. That's helpful. That's helping, but it's important that you it, it it's not enabling. Enabling is very different than helping. Helping is genuine. Enabling, I think, many times is just maintaining the status quo to not exacerbate any more any more difficulties. But. Again, if, if if you notice that, for example, like, oh, my God, he's just out of control, so, and you're starting to drink more, or you're starting to self-medicate in, in other ways, or you're, you, start, you become reckless, or you notice that you're emoting to your friends, or you, that you're finding yourself in, on, in chat groups online, that's a, that's a good indication that maybe you should get into therapy to maintain your own mental health. Because, again, some of these disorders can be incredibly consuming and toxic uh, without without treatment. 
And even during the course of treatment, generally things get worse. The fundamental laws of like behaviorism and behavioral psychology, things generally get worse before they get better. And that's the ironic cross-check that, that you're making therapeutic progress. So uh, do, the, do the psychiatric conditions impact the individual? Yes, but they also impact everybody else who's involved in a relationship with them in some capacity, whether that's picking up the phone call every time. Um, uh, you know, I love the movie Love Actually. That's one of my favorite movies. And I think it was uh, Laura Linney. She had a brother who was um, developmentally delayed, and I think he was schizophrenic too. Um, and it's, again, if you haven't watched this movie, it's an amazing movie. Um, but every time he called, she dropped what she was doing. Every time the, her phone rang, whether she was at a work party, whether she was she was starting to fall in love with this guy, and just her her world stopped. And I think that is enabling. That is enabling when you are always there because distress tolerance is something individuals with psychiatric conditions have really don't have, and that's something that they need to develop in the therapeutic process. But again, it's important that you set boundaries that you are not going to allow an individuals like like just like with children, you're not going to allow them to just act in in however they want without consequences. If there's no consequences, why would the behavior change? And the consequences have to have what's called psychological valence, which means it has to have value. So if you say, Johnny, you know, if you don't clean your, if you don't, you know, pick up your room, uh, I'm going to shut the lamp off in the basement. Johnny's like, all right, whatever. That that, that doesn't cause enough psychological discomfort for him to want to change. But as, as again, I'm really speaking to, you know, people, even, even if you are an individual with, you know, with a psychiatric condition, it's important that I think you take a look at what impact are your symptoms having on your relationships with other people? Um, you know, we can do our best to help in whatever capacity if you're not in the mental health profession, but you know, you, you, you're not responsible to treat the person and, and whoever you're in relationship with is not responsible to treat you. Uh, it's important to have open dialogue, uh, have availability, uh, be, you know, lend, lend an ear, but the person also has to do the work. And I think that's where you can encourage people if you notice that, hey, something's going on. Go get tested. Get into therapy. Go see your primary care. Get you know get on medication. So I think there's people I've talked to, um, the people involved with individuals. And again, this is anecdotally over over multiple conversations with people. Uh, individuals who are actively involved with people with a psychiatric condition tend to be less frustrated when that individual is actively working on themselves and actively engaged in treatment. Whereas other individuals who are in relationship with someone that has, let's say, an undefined psychiatric diagnosis and is unwilling to even entertain or acknowledge those individuals that I've spoken with, they they are tending to get very frustrated. And what they also kind of 
show is they feel a sense of responsibility that, that, you know, if you hear something enough times, you start to believe it independent of whether it's true or not. If, you know, like, like, you know, you've heard of the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, if you tell a girl, a young child, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you know, developmentally, she's going to grow up believing that. And it's going to be really hard to disprove that without some pretty intense therapy. And you might see the development of an eating disorder or a personality disorder. But, um, so are you responsible for your loved one's mental health? No. Are you responsible to be there? I think to a, to a certain degree, to a certain extent, but you have to ask yourself at what at what point am I going to say no? And at what point am I going to draw a line in the sand? And again, depending on the type of psychiatric condition, it, it, some are going to take a lot longer. Some are going to be maybe quicker, you know, take like generalized anxiety disorder, um, uh, major depressive disorder, getting on the right SSRIs or SN. SSNRIs, um, or whether it's a mood stabilizer. So some, but again, if you look at like the personality disorders, that's, that's, that's much more in depth treatment and, and definitely long, much longer term. Um, again, with the personality disorders, it's rarely ever just that. There's almost invariably a secondary, what we call comorbid diagnosis of, of either depression, anxiety, PTSD. Uh, OCD, uh, dissociative identity disorder, um, bipolarity. So it could really, you know, it runs, runs the gamut, but it rarely is it ever just that, that one specific thing. And that's why I'm such a staunch proponent of testing because that's the only, that's the vehicle that gets you, that allows me to be able to figure out the, you know, those, those nooks and crannies that you really aren't going to get from anything else. So this re- episode was really kind of like a two part one talking to, uh, individuals who follow this program, again, which I'm very grateful for, individuals who follow this program uh, who do not have a psychiatric condition but know someone or are in a relationship with somebody with a psychiatric condition, and also to a population of individuals who do have a psychiatric condition. And it's really it's really important to understand that, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, diabetes causes a lot of family discord uh maybe you can get upset if grandma isn't taking her metformin or insulin or um you know i don't think asthma causes a lot of you know family discord or a lot of relation problems but you know the psychiatric conditions they do because it 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 it, it impacts uh the i think i'd say the impacts the the humanity that you know and, and sometimes it, it brings out uh, a very raw side of an individual but the thing with psychiatric conditions it's important to understand uh people don't choose it um people who have them are in pain um but you know look you know go back to look at the um you know, the defense mechanisms, projection, rationalization, these are very common with the help rejectors. And uh, again, it was uh, hopefully made impact with talking with several people this week. You know, um, I think the primary thing was was borderline uh, depression, I think, was another. Um, but they really were in a space where they were like, holy cow, 
maybe I am not the cause. Maybe I am not the root. And this stuff plays out in psychiatric conditions. And again, you, you can't, uh, I said this the third time, you can't want it more than the individual. But I think, you know, if the individual is working on themselves and you're in relationship with them, some maybe sometimes there are times when you need to say, I need to take a break from this relationship. Maybe I need to take a step back until you get some work done on yourself. You want to say something? Yeah, just real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I I definitely think that um, one way, you know, it's like Core is really talking about when someone in your family is struggling with mental illness, and it isn't always so obvious, and it's a process. It's evolve. It's it evolves. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's not a heck of a lot of insight. Um, but typically, usually people know when they're suffering. I can't tell you how many patients I have who have said that they've been depressed their whole life and anxious most of their lives, um, and they suffer in silence. Um, you know, just now getting into treatment, you know, coming into their 20s or their 30s even, sometimes even later. It's also so important to communicate and have a conversation. I think the younger, the better. Um, like with kids, usually depression, and very often even with any human, depression can look like anger. Um, it depends on how people express themselves. But one, one, uh, little helpful intervention, I think, is for couples, um, any partner, um, or even a child or an adolescent is to get into therapy together. Um, it doesn't usually, you know, a, a good, a good therapist will pick up on, you know, who's causing what, um, and can often, um, kind of, um, like kind of bifurcate into, uh, you know, another therapist, uh, pulling another therapist in and sending someone to individual therapy in addition to the couples therapy. So couples therapy, I know people roll their eyes. I mean, it can be very, very helpful. And, um, you know, it can offer someone who's, who's suffering with depression or anxiety or whatever, what have you, bipolarity, whatever, um, also will help the person who is in relationship with that person. It can be very validating. Um, you know, again, if you get a good therapist, they're going to sniff out all the BS and kind of help people to get better and refer people to the necessary, you know, treatment providers that they maybe need to see, whether it's a, a psychologist, neuropsychologist, or a, a, a medication provider, a psychiatrist, or a psych NP, um, or, you know, another different type of therapy. I mean, there's so many therapies out there. Um, you know, it's pretty eclectic, but there are a lot of very, um, holistic, therapies. Um, anyway, there's, there's a lot to, to explore. So that's just kind of my overview. Uh, don't go it alone. Try to get into treatment with somebody who's having a hard time. That way you get the support you need and the other person gets the support they need. Thank you, Julie. Um, I think she brings up a really good point. Um, if it, it's really important, I think, to understand the diagnostic picture. It's really important to understand 
what depression is, what bi- bipolarity is, what schizophrenia is, what borderline personality disorder is, what, what any of the, dis- the disorders in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders from, from a professional, whether that's um, someone like myself as a neuropsychologist, uh, a therapist, um, not 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 the online stuff. Not I've said this in the first episode. Stay off stay off of Google. Stay off of of, of Wikipedia. They give you the they it is diagnostician. I could tell you from what I do every day, for the grace of God, it's so different from from, from what it actually really when you see psychopathology in front of you and you get that information about you know what the behaviors and the thought processes and what all the idiosyncrasies of what's going on relative to that specific disorder so um definitely you want to know what the what you have um you know, I spend a lot of time when I do the feedbacks of really clarifying, uh, from giving you a 70 page neuropsych eval, I'll do it in maybe two or three sessions. I'll, the first session, I'll kind of give you the nuts and bolts of what all the testing found. And then I'll have the person read the eval three or four times because you really need to understand the Rorschach, the TAT, the kinetic projective drawings, the incomplete sentence blanks, the MPI, you know, the, 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 the pieces that really dissect psychopathology. And it's really hard to do that in one session. And I found that to be, I think, the feedback for the patients that I, I treat or test, uh, find that to be the most effective because sometimes the terminology that I use, I write in a very clinical, technical way. Uh, sometimes what I, what I mean is, can be interpreted as something different. So for example, on the MMPI, one of the scales measures schizo, is the schizophrenia scale. Uh, but that scale measures multiple things besides psychosis. So sometimes people will see that and they freak out and they got to really kind of talk them off off a ledge that no, you or your child or whoever else, it does not have schizophrenia because there's a way to parse out. I won't get into the idiosyncrasies of testing and how to figure that out, but there, there is a way to, to really delineate what that is. But I think there's no shame in anybody going into psychotherapy and it could be very beneficial if, if you have a loved one, whether that's a child, a, a partner, a significant other, uh, anybody, uh, that you have some place to put it, that you have some place to gain understanding, that you have some place to gain insight, and that you could also get get suggestions and tips from a professional on how to help navigate whatever disorder the other person in your life has. And if you're somebody who is struggling with a psychiatric condition, I would, I agree with Julie. I would encourage you to have some sessions with the therapist in terms of gaining better understanding about what is the diagnosis? What are the things that you could do to help support the person? But, but at the end of the day, all the work comes down to the individual struggling with the psychiatric condition. It is not your responsibility to treat them. It is not your responsibility to fix them. It is not your responsibility to cure them. And it is also not your responsibility to be, like I said, a doormat. Um, There's a couple people that I, 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 I'm not an anti Instagram person. I feel like there's a lot of people that speak to and um, kind of uh, destigmatize mental health. It's a very, um, you know, uh, uh, it's something to read. It's something to um, explore. I'm just giving you a couple that I've seen. Um, the Real Depression Project. Um, they even, it's a counselor that started this um, 
Instagram account, but um, there's a book on how to overcome depression. I haven't read it, but I like how they define depression and anxiety. Um, it's very personal. And um, I it, it really is, I think, probably extremely comforting for people who are struggling alone. Um, there's also the holistic psychologist, uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera, and Dr. Samantha Boardman. Um, they're both psychologists and they're very into the, um, empowerment, um, of, of humans that are struggling with depression and anxiety and trauma. Um, so don't suffer in silence. Um, but don't think that Instagram or, you know, social media can't, this is where social media can be helpful because it can reach so many people. Hey, well, Julie and I differ sometimes on on that, but I like the, the the depression project. But I think, you know, there's so much stuff out there. How much stuff? How much stuff is 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 legitimate? Um, one person I was on his podcast. Um, I think it's on YouTube. His name is uh, Mark Anthony and uh, Michael Anthony, and he's out of uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, and he um, um, think unbroken. <laughs> Uh, he's a, uh, I think he calls himself a trauma warrior and, uh, totally impressed with his work. Um, he, he unfortunately wasn't able to do the episode he, we have him scheduled for. So, um, I'll eventually have him on because I think it's really important to hear from, you know, I can't have my own patients on, uh, but it's really important to, um, when you hear someone's, you know, tell it from a firsthand perspective, it's really, really powerful, really powerful. But again, there's so much mystery around mental health. Again, a huge reason for doing the podcast was to, you know, destigmatize it, explain it to the best of my ability and best and Julie to the best of her ability. Um, but you know, you can go on and on and talk for hours about these disorders, but you know, just to be respectful of people's time and, and, and just gratitude for following this podcast. Um, this this is the time of year where it, it 